Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to issue 4,159 of the Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. It's Friday the 3rd of July, 2020. I am Andy Zaltzman, and as soon as we finish recording this, I'm going to the Oval Cricket Ground to have a COVID test. Now... We, uh, on this show, have uh, recorded, through the course of the year, many sentences you would not have expected to hear, really at the start of this year, or in particular at the start of this millennium. And, um, well, as Chris pointed out, while we were just about to record, that that sentence, me going to have a virus test at a cricket ground, uh, I think can safely be added to that list. Um, I'm joined today... um, by well, uh, by Tiff Stevenson. Tiff, have you had a have, have you had a COVID test yet? I haven't. I think I've right. had it, but just because oh, right, I okay. want to be like all the cool kids, um, <laughs> <laughs> hop on with the trends. I think I had it early doors, um, and uh, so I should get the antibodies test. But I haven't had the official test yet. But I haven't been out amongst mingling with people. So yeah. uh, until I do, I guess then that will be. Because I believe it's not the most pleasant thing. Well, let's find out from a man who has had uh, a test and reporting to us from a country that is in the massively abnormal state of normality, <laughs> uh, New Zealand. Uh, it's a uh, big welcome back to James Nakisa. James, uh, well, f- firstly, how you, you had a test this uh, this this week? Uh, you said, what have I got to look forward to? Not to not to brag, but we 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 kind of clocked this thing. Uh, and so just for kicks, really, uh, just average New Zealanders <laughs> like myself have just been wandering up and saying, can I get a test, bro? Um, it's look, I, I, Basically, there's a lot of um, nice chit chat. And then they say, just stare at that wall. Right. Um, and, uh, and they stick you uh, with a cotton bud um, right. in your nose until they feel the squishy brain at the end of it. Oh, right. Um, but, but <laughs> Sounds awesome. Yeah. You're oh, an English like, comedian, um, yes. Zoltzman. You've 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 had worse things hit the back of your nose. It's, <laughs> it's well, absolutely fine, mate. Um, yeah, I mean, I was going to say yes. I've had you know probably more uncomfortable ex- experiences on stage, uh, for example, at the uh, Birdcage Club yeah. in Leeds, um, where uh, I had to leave the venue by the back exit to avoid walking uh, through the uh, angry-looking crowd. Um, but uh, and and so what's so what's life in New Zealand like uh, now? Uh, James, because whilst the rest of the world is still in uh, states of, well, varying between complacency and panic, which is a curious cocktail to have at the same time, um, what's, uh, how, how are things in the, the, the land of the normal? I, I feel we've really leaned into this Hobbiton metaphor and that we're just kind of carrying on drinking our pumpkin ale uh, <laughs> and running barefoot through the meadows and outside of us Mordor is just wreaking <laughs> havoc and we're all just kind of oblivious going from hole to hole saying hey man shop oh don't go outside and, like, and, and some people wanted to go to Australia and it was looking good but then in the tradition of New Zealand Australian relationships Aussie f***ed up so <laughs> now we're just playing solo again it's good though it's like shaking yeah. hands is a, is a you take that for granted yeah, I never yeah. thought I'd get nostalgic for something like that. Um, oh, it's yeah. really weird. Yeah, Boris. Boris had a slutty handshake, and that's <laughs> part of what's got Wasn't us. Wasn't that into a Ramon this. song? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, he's getting in shape now. 
<laughs> well, yes, he has been um, well doing doing press ups this week for uh, for cameras, uh, which is, I mean, not, not as useful for the nation as doing his job with a even a vestige of competence. But you know, I guess it's something. Uh, I guess it's better than not doing press ups and still failing to do everything that you want a prime minister to do. We are recording on the third of July. On this day in the year ten thirty five, William the Conqueror became Duke of Normandy. Of course, he was not known as William the Conqueror by that point. His conquering days were still uh, some way off. He was known then as William the Seven-Year-Old Boy, uh, which is, I don't know, a good age to become a duke, I guess. You've got to learn uh, on the job, Uh, as he always did with these things. He had a tapestry commissioned, uh, but because he was a seven-year-old boy, it was mostly of people riding bikes, climbing trees, and stuffing their faces with chips. he uh, he loved uh, he loved tapestries, of course. William the Conqueror, the not very Instagram of their day, and uh, the Bayer tapestry, famously uh, charting the uh, the Battle of Hastings in uh, in 1066, had an amazing amount of product placement in it. It's not just modern day films, but um, you know, bubonics, plague remedies, tablets, and uh, all that you can see if you look at it right. Uh, tomorrow. Uh, the 4th of July uh, is Independence Day. On the 4th of July, 1776, Georgie and the Split Squad got their declaration funk on. And looking back, <laughs> that was really the day when things started going downhill for both Britain and America. And I think with hindsight, we can fairly ask, who's independence from whom? And even more pertinently, for how long? And slightly less pertinently, what is independence anyway? What's the point of going independent if you end up dependent on something else? For example, a rotten political system propped up by a sclerotic economic system and willfully divisive and delusional-factionary media. Um, (laughs) John Adams, uh, future president of America, uh, wrote to his wife... Uh, saying uh, it ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty, which raises the question, why does God hate Britain, mummy? And uh, (laughs) he also said uh, in in 1776 it ought to be solemnised with pomp and parade, with shows, games, sports, guns, guns! He said guns! He said guns in 1776. Therefore, everyone must fire guns now by the immutable logic of America. As always, a section of the Bugle is going straight in the bin. A shopping supplement, uh, trying to get the economy moving again here at the Bugle. So uh, do do buy some of these uh, products. The new online-only perfume, Virtual. Download a description of what it smells like, then imagine yourself smelling like it and tell people around you that's what you smell of. Very interesting psychologically. And uh, some new... Uh, unnecessary gadgets, including the Identitech Seat Recognizer 2.6X, the uh, market-leading seat recognition machine. Simply affix it to your belt or trouser or skirt or other waist-located clothing at the base of your back area, and it will bleep according to whether the object behind you is or is not a seat, thus advising you whether or not you can sit on it. Um, uh, So you get a a bleep for something you can sit on, a honk for definitely do not plonk yourself down here under any circumstances, uh, such as if what's behind you is an especially pointy stalagmite, a sleeping lion, or the ledge of a grain silo. The premium version comes with a second beep pitched according to the likely comfort of the seat. Um, Also from Identitech, the new improved shoe recognizer uh, 4500, now crucially with night vision technology fully incorporated to avoid those awkwards sticking your foot in your pet terrapin's face thinking it's a slipper at 3am moments and uh, other products uh, the Beveragent Brew Hoist Mechanical Automatic Teabag Crane simply affix your teabag to the dangle hook on the load jib set the time at your desired strength of brew and move over Rover let physics take over um <laughs> Uh, and if you buy the uh, mechanical automatic teabag crane, you get the Beveragent Twin Shaft Brew Mixer half price. Simply pour your fresh brewed tea, 
plus any milk and sugar into the brew mixer and in under a minute you'll have a fully stirred and still hottish drink um, assuming the cement has been properly cleared out after it was repurposed uh, also a 4d printer uh, which also prints time uh, that section in the bin Top story this week, Russia news. And, uh, well, Russia has been all over the news, the land of the cold and angry bear, the land of literary geniuses and 1980s movie baddies, and the land of democratically untouchable dictatorship. Um, Vladimir Putin, a man who's won more elections than the great heroes of democracy can, uh, can dream of, uh, this week has won every election between now and the year 2036. It's a superb <laughs> performance from, uh, from Big Vlad. Um, there was a, a referendum in Russia um, in which um, basically uh, Putin's um, uh, which basically Putin was cleared to remain in charge until 2036. It was a part of a, a range of things people were voting on uh, in this uh, this referendum. Um, critics have claimed the vote was rigged. And if you're in any <laughs> doubt whether or not the vote was rigged, 77.92% uh, of people voted in favour. And surely that proves that this was an entirely fabricated vote because uh, 77.92, 1977 to 1992 is the exact span of the test match career of England cricket legend Ian <laughs> Botham. So, I mean, you don't need any more evidence than that. I mean, a surprising <laughs> amount of kind of cricket fandom in these little, uh, little references uh, emanating from the Kremlin. Um, but... Um, this is, uh, I mean, is this, you know, looking at the state of our own politics, uh, is this something we should be aiming for now to, to try and to try and match what Russia is doing? Um, I think worry if Boris Johnson has any kind of cosmetic surgery or plastic <laughs> surgery, because all I know is any male president or prime minister who's had cosmetic surgery is never leaving office democratically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the stats really back that up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you... <laughs> you've got to think about the vanity of that, but like, you've got Gaddafi, Berlusconi, I mean, it was a forced resignation, but if they've had, if they've had the surgery, they're clinging on, and their vanity <laughs> says, I'm never leaving. I'm never leaving office. Apparently, Trump had a, a, has had some work done on his chin, and a sc it tracks, basically. <laughs> It tracks. Uh, James, how much do you trust Russian democracy? I'm just trying to work out whether I'm closer to England or Russia before I answer that question. <laughs> In New Zealand, we're very, uh, I'm not sure, I think we're in striking distance. I think it's, um, I think the UK should be worried because if Boris is doing push-ups, um, it, it's probably, he's, he's about to start taking off his shirt for the photos, mate. <laughs> and as we all know, that's a clear sign on the pathway. <laughs> <laughs> I love that Putin has figured out that like he's clearly gone, all right, when will I die? Minus <laughs> minus five. I reckon I could be president <laughs> up until then. Like 16 more years. That's like maximum strength dictatorship. <laughs> Just figure out when you'll die and work back and then boom. I think he, um, the, did you see the picture of him going to vote? Yes. He looks so Charlie. uncomfortable because he yeah. was wearing clothes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> genuinely. Um, yeah, now, I, he, now, now, he, now you, know, uh, you know how I feel uh, when I record the bugle <laughs> on these video calls. Deeply We're all uncomfortable having to adapt. <laughs> with a shirt on. <laughs> I mean, I, the, the vote says that he can rule until 2036, but it was pitched 
as a vote on some constitutional changes, as you say, Andy, so it was sort of hidden. So it was pitched as a vote for like, that people would go, oh, of course I want to vote for that because it's like boosting minimum wages and pensions. And then there's just this huge terms and conditions, you know, <laughs> you know, like at the end of any advert, you hear the T's and C's apply. Vladimir Putin will remain president for life. He'll only be removed from the office when you prize cold dead hands off the war chest. No officials to hold dual citizenships ever. Patriots only. This bill will f*** over gay people contractually binding to the end of time itself. Well, I mean, this, 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 this kind of sliding in a ban on gay marriage into this into this legislation <laughs> was—I mean, slightly odd. I mean, it's an odd thing for the Russian people. To, I mean, it's very hard to understand as an, as a non-Russian. But I mean, it's this: what is holding Russia back as a nation? It's not the institutionalized political corruption. It's not the state-sanctioned commercial larceny of their natural resources. It's not the uh, the sapping militaristic political dit swinging, nor the suppression of freedom and expression, nor even the vodka. It's the mere idea that Arkady and Igor have found love in each other's arms. If that can be stopped, all Russia will thrive for all time. It's the possibility of a fabulous wedding that's holding <laughs> that's holding them back. It's weird as well because I always think like the most closeted one, like the most closeted ones, are the biggest homophobes, aren't they? Like yes. Putin's gay. I think Putin's gay. He's bareback horse riding, topless fishing, cosmetic tweakments. He hates pussy riot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just Boom. come out as a friend of Dorothy Vlad, and you'll feel happier. You know. Yep. Oh, how how good would those photos be if he had a mate on another horse, <laughs> bare-chested, just two bros riding around Russia, dictating together, co-dictators. You've got to admire how cold it is in parts of Russia for him to get the chest out in the first place. I was well, getting yes. maximum nipple. He's just advertising. He's just... <laughs> it's, um, it's... It's it's wild that like I, I mean we're kind of laughing at it, but it's, it's I feel like it's exactly the kind of move that Boris or or Trump would make because they're sort of under the thrall of I don't like to use too much of a Dracula reference, but I think Boris and Donald Trump are under the thrall of Count Vladimir's power, <laughs> and uh, they're just running to their windows in their nighties, thrashing about, asking to be bitten in return for political immortality. <laughs> <laughs> like if Boris shows up at PMQs with a scarf around his neck to hide two puncture wounds, <laughs> I am correct on this. <laughs> we will keep an eagle eye on it. Uh, critics claim the vote uh, was rigged. Uh, Vladimir Putin uh, responded, "Which vote? Oh, the referendum." or the vote I held in my own head with an electorate of me on whether or not to rig the referendum. That vote was entirely free and fair. Putin justified the vote by saying he wanted to stop the search for a successor that could leave him as a lame duck. Uh, Albeit a kind of Kaiser Soze lame duck that isn't really lame and uh, isn't really a duck and has eaten all the other ducks. Um, Kremlin critic... Uh, Alexander Navalny was quoted saying the updated results are a massive lie. They have nothing in common with the opinion of Russia's citizens. And I'm sorry, Alexei, but you misunderstand democracy. Have you never followed a British general election or an American presidential election? The opinion of the citizens is not something that elections are supposed to try to gauge. It's something that elections are designed to overcome. That's your key error. Andy, you leave Alexei alone. He hasn't got long to live. Let him enjoy <laughs> sorry, his life. Sorry. sorry. That dude is dead. I'm sorry, Alexei. Good on you for speaking up, but you know the drill. 
In other Russian news, uh, Trump's administration is uh, coming under increasing pressure to explain how much it knew about allegations that Russia was offering bounties to Taliban fighters to kill American troops. Officials have claimed that Trump was not personally informed, but was given written... But it has emerged that he was given written briefings, so I guess he has a legitimate excuse, which is that everyone knows he can't be asked to read things, which is not ideal in a president. That's like having a surgeon who can't be asked to use surgical implements. But, you know, I guess we can't judge him for that. I often don't read things I should read, like the dress code on invitations. Never go to a christening dressed as the child snatcher from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang or to a Zumba class dressed as the Grim Reaper. Uh, and uh, I never even read that book I was given when I left both school and university entitled How to Leverage Your Privileged Private Education to Control Politics, the Economy and Society, which was a foolish oversight. And most of my peers did, of course, uh, read it cover to cover. But um, this is bizarre, isn't it? The idea that, tr- that Trump... He's said to ignore the president's daily brief, which is another one of those sentences you didn't expect to to, to hear. Like Queen Norset still twitching raw swan during state opening of parliament. That was another sentence you didn't expect to read and indeed haven't read because she'd never do such a thing. She's the queen and she likes to eat in private. Um, but um, <laughs> interestingly, the, uh, the reason her crown has that purple cloth bit in the middle is to hide, hide a beer can holder so she can quietly enjoy a cleansing pint at tedious <laughs> state occasions. But, um, but US president can't be asked to read official briefings. I mean, that is, in a historical context, that is almost as f***ing ridiculous as anything else that's happened. But what do you expect? He can't be asked to blend his makeup in. I mean, his foundation <laughs> is all over the place. Why would he bother reading? <laughs> His literal and metaphorical foundations are all over the place. (laughs) His press secretary did come out to say he's the most well-read president that ever did president. And he is very (laughs) across everything. Like this was just yesterday and wouldn't have it that um, because I think the New York Times came in and sort of said, is it true he knew about these Russian bounties? Which, by the way, sound like a terrible chocolate bar. <laughs> um, and uh, she was like, I, like, she was simultaneously having to walk the tight, it's like kind of walking a tightrope whilst juggling of saying he's the most well-read, he's across every briefing, but at the same time going, he has no awareness of any Russian bounties uh, being in place. So completely contradicting herself. <laughs> really? In American so politics? <laughs> yeah, but so the so the suggestion is that Putin had paid Taliban soldiers, and there's like 29 soldiers I think that they're saying it could possibly be. Isn't that the All plot right. to Rambo oh. Three? Yeah, it does. <laughs> in other Russia news, um, MPs in Britain have uh, described as utterly reprehensible a delay in uh, issuing uh, the report into Russian interference in British politics, um, which um, was completed last October by the uh, uh, Intelligence and Security uh, Committee um, and should have been ready for publication within a fortnight of being uh, delivered to Downing Street in October. But it was delayed because, uh, well, well, there was an election coming up and there could be another one within five years and then another one five years after that. So please, everyone, just piss off. The uh, committee has now not met since the general election in 2019. Who'd have thought? It gets so nostalgic for 2019, which is the committee's <laughs> longest furlough since 1994. Um, and th- 30 MPs wrote to the Prime Minister uh, last month to uh, push for the committee to be reconstituted and said the refusal to publish the report raised questions of uh, 
raised questions about the transparency and integrity of Britain's democratic process, which is like raising questions about the efficiency of the engine and quality of the paintwork in a chicken. It obviously doesn't exist, however much we want it to, even if it would be a lovely idea that would probably benefit everyone. So why has this report still not been published? Well, there are only two explanations possible. Reason one... British modesty, the report paints the government in such a good, heroic light that they don't want to show off about it, or reason two, well it's pretty obvious what reason two is, uh, I'd have thought, but we're British and uh, throughout our God-given history we've been completely honest, open and morally unimpeachable, so let's assume it's reason one, uh, with that innate sense of fair play hounded handed down to us from history hewn indeed from the living rock of stonehenge itself so it's just you know it's just the government it just doesn't want to show off about yet another success it's uh, starting to get tedious New Zealand news now, and uh, James, you are the Bugle's uh, correspondent for uh, New Zealand and the entire Pacific region, encompassing uh, what over about half the world's surface. Um, so, um, some exciting news from New Zealand, aside from the, the fact that uh, life is uh, actually happening uh, there. Uh, but in particular, some uh, some uh, well disappointing news for New Zealand's alcohol drinkers. Yes, uh, New Zealand's alcohol drinkers, which make up uh, 98% of the population, um, down from 99 during lockdown, uh, <laughs> have had a nasty shock uh, this week because it turns out one of the owners of our wineries is a Trump supporter, uh, which really uh, is, is, is a, a, a cotton bud in the nose to <laughs> wine drinkers who like nothing better than to get drunk and forget about politics. And it turns out that Bill Foley, the American billionaire, who's the owner of several uh, New Zealand wines, uh, has donated 255,600 US dollars or 4 billion New Zealand dollars to uh, (laughs) Donald Trump's campaign. Uh, and what's been particularly bad is that these are popular wines. These aren't just niche wines. Uh, one of them's Mount Difficulty, or as it's now known, Mount More Difficulty. Um, <laughs> Roaring Meg. Russian Jack, which is probably, I mean, that's a red flag, really. Join the uh, um, And mysteriously, uh, Te Karanga, which uh, is a, obviously a vineyard with a Maori name. Uh, the Maori supporters of Trump. Uh, not a large community worldwide um there's brian and hannah and we're very disappointed in them uh, <laughs> um two uh, us dollars um by coincidence is the cost of the amount of wine you need to drink in one sitting before you start <laughs> to believe anything trump says so it's, uh, it's quite a symbolic figure uh, that and um, I don't know has this affected the the way New Zealanders are enjoying their alcohol because there's a psychological side of taste, isn't there? There's very kind of an, an emotional side as well as the, the sort of physical side of it. And uh, you know, I guess also it might change the tasting note. So uh, on the nose, this uh, wine has a lightly floral bouquet with notes of black currant and apricot and velvety undertones of caged Mexican child. <laughs> <laughs> oh man it's 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 horrible when you realize um just like some of the brands you love i looked this up the other day uh on instagram someone had, like put a list of brands that had like heavily donated to the trump campaign and i was like ah oh, you know because i've been saying for years like economic progressivism like vote with your wallet is a good idea you know but then also if i was in new zealand right now 
it would depend on how much I need to drink. <laughs> like if it's the only bottle left in the store and you've had a shit day, you're going to be like, I don't give a shit if he backs Genghis Khan, put it in my face. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of fiscal morality works if you can afford it and have access to it. Also, I just wanted to say fiscal morality. <laughs> is that a thing? It should be a thing. Well, I mean, it, ideally, yes, it would be, but I don't think it is um, yet. Um, well, certainly, you know, you, you just don't know where, where you know, the, the money that you give to, to businesses goes. And I, you know, the, uh, the Bugle voluntary subscription scheme, all that money goes directly to the Trump campaign, because if he doesn't get elected, we're going to have nothing to talk about for the next five years. So if you want to join the uh, re-elect Trump uh, campaign via the Bugle, go, do go to thebuglepodcast.com and click the donate button to uh, make a one-off or recurring um, donation to the show and join our voluntary subscription scheme. But at least the uh, the labels are honest on these uh, these wines, uh, James. You mentioned Russian Jack, of course, a White House advisor. Roaring Meg is a very, very angry voter in one of the southern states with a loaded assault rifle shouting at traffic. And uh, Mount Difficulty is a euphemistic term for Stone Mountain, the largest bas-relief sculpture in the world depicting three Confederate leaders from the American Civil War. And uh, uh, is it Vavasour or Vavasour? Um, one of the, uh, the, uh, uh, the it's, other ones. It's, uh, it's Vavasour, uh, which yeah. is, of, as you will know, a Samoan uh, name uh, for a winery. Uh, meaning uh, bitter about American colonialism. <laughs> or like, I, I'd, I'd heard it was frongley for go sour, which is, of course, what American democracy has conclusively done. Um, <laughs> I like to take all my uh, sour grapes in life and turn them into a lovely Grenache. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's what's been happening with those wines. I'm sure. I think I'm like a wine as well, actually. I like to think of myself as being like a fine wine, you know, like because I improve with age and I'm I'm full bodied, I'm good with meat, um, I'm readily available in most bars and restaurants. COVID, COVID pending. Um, I'm often found smashed on the kitchen floor, difficult to get off people's carpets. Spent the first 12 years of my life in a cellar. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> I don't know how far I can stretch that. Can I take well, that any further? I don't think I can take that. Th this is the bugle tiff. Take it too far. <laughs> take that it is, to the limit. <laughs> that is what this show is all about. <laughs> um, uh, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has um, described as dangerous calls to, to reopen New Zealand's uh, borders. And it's, um, it's highlighted, James, uh, one of the great problems of the, the success that New Zealand has had in, in, in locking down and isolating itself uh, from the virus is now the difficulty of working out how and when to open up again. No such problems here in Britain. We cleverly <laughs> never got on top of it. And now we're in a position to safely think, what the f*** we're f anyway. Come for a holiday, everyone. <laughs> Yeah, I have to say, for for people who were really keen to just be on your own, you've kind of flipped it around halfway <laughs> through the year, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, it's always, as as you say, New Zealand's uh, right now. Do you know what? It's it's worked so well over here. You have to feel for the political opposition in New Zealand because I, I swear to God, the headlines are actually, oh, we should have moved to level one days ago like that's <laughs> that's the level of pettiness they have to result to and uh, we did have a small drama uh, with uh, two ladies coming over from england uh, they got permission to drive down through the country and they hadn't got the test results back um, so they weren't supposed to stop anywhere and it's a it's quite a long drive it's about an edinburgh to london drive for the british right. listeners um, but it was okay in the end because we were assured 
they peed on the side of the road, uh, and now we, we, I think they're getting Queen's medals for hero, uh, hero ship <laughs> during sorry. the pandemic. Me and my mum just really had to make that trip. <laughs> I do think I do think peeing at the side of the road for women is heroic actually James I would agree on oh. that because you guys we have like you guys have a hose so you can direct it we have more of a sprinkler system it's very risky <laughs> depending well, on what you're wearing this show is uh, educational for any kids uh, listening during lockdown missing school uh, we are a biology <laughs> class for everyone <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, I, I get what you're saying about the opposition because it seems to be the opposition are like we can't stay closed forever like we have to think about like you know uh, what about Australia and, and Jacinta as usual is just like sure like in a bit <laughs> like it's a really like kind of like we've talked about it in little but like it's so New Zealand have done everything right why would you risk letting the infected masses back in like if you look at somewhere like uh, the US um, and because I have a visa, I have been looking. So they've started doing gigs again. They're doing, they're, but comedians are back out doing shows. So like all the LA bro comedians have it. There's a, there's a serious outbreak of Brovid in LA <laughs> and uh, podcasts are going to be heavily expected. So we're expecting to see the stats on that soon. Like, but the, a few of them have gone out on the road. They've confirmed like Brendan Schwab, Brian Callum, which probably means Joe Rogan has it. Like every, they're all doing each other's podcasts. Um, and uh, I think like what's frustrating about this, I guess, is the the bro comedians are all on their podcasts. I just I want to say like I don't see scientists coming into your gym knocking the barbell out of your hand. <laughs> so stop spouting nonsense on the virus and pandemic. You know, telling like kind of suggesting it's a fake. Telling people not to wear masks. People are dying, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> And I, and I know this is a bit meta to do a podcast, talk about another podcast on a podcast, but there was a great bit of sort of Bill Burr talking to um, Joe Rogan, where Joe Rogan was like, I don't think we should wear masks. And Bill Burr was like, I'm not going to sit here smoking a, while you smoking a cigar <laughs> with the backdrop of an American flag. <laughs> telling people like pretending that we're scientists when we're not scientists and we you know it's insane so i think you've nailed it new zealand well i can tell you the happiest people i've seen in new zealand are american tourists who are trapped in new zealand (laughs) just one i know i know we can't leave oh no we can't leave i guess we're here now (laughs) <laughs> and of course, we have. When it comes to foreign policy, uh, fans of New Zealand will know we have the uh, year na year uh, <laughs> policy for people coming in and out of country. And uh, just since this gone, we're at nah. We might go back to year <laughs> in a bit. We were year, then we went to nah, and now we're just looking to go back to year pretty soon. Very much like the no worries, some worries uh, Australian policy. Uh, yeah, they're, they're definitely in some worries, some worries right now, mate. <laughs> Um, on the subject of Australia, uh, Tiff, you are the Bugles Australian Military Industrial <laughs> Complex taking over the world correspondent. Um, uh, big news for the uh, for the uh, in- Indo-Pacific region. Australia's boosting its defence spending by 40%, according to Prime Minister uh, Scott Morrison, and uh, f- focusing 
on the uh, the uh, the Indo-Pacific, which Morrison described as an area that will be the epicenter of rising strategic competition, which coincidentally is a, a euphemism used in 19th century English translations of erotic Roman poetry to replace the word penis. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it's, it's Scott Morrison flexing his missiles. <laughs> um, nice, nice. <laughs> I mean, they're spending 270 billion Australian dollars, which in UK money I think is a ton. Um, to acquire missiles with long-range strike capabilities. And I sort of agree with you, Andy. It's like, lads, just get your dicks out and measure them. We're (laughs) bored now. We're bored of this. All of this money that could be spent on universal income during the, you know, corona crisis or on vaccines or to help poverty and get people into homes. And all Australia need to do is take a look at New Zealand. And I don't want to sound like an Instagram post, but nuclear-free and thriving. (laughs) <laughs> is New Zealand um, you know and, and you have to look at the technology that backs this as well there was a report out recently that in the the, uh, the nuclear weapons in the US were running off a 70s computer and you think <laughs> god if, if, if one of the biggest superpowers is running nuclear missiles with 70s computers wh- what are we doing in the UK a Casio calculator and a hand crank <laughs> G- genuinely terrified here Gary what are the launch codes again like <laughs> Like, I don't know that anyone should be trusted with this technology, especially, or anyone should be trusted with nuclear weapons with 70 te- 70s technology behind them. And is this what uh, we should be spending money on? Well, I think that the, the nuclear codes here are still uh, use one of those old, was it Simon Says games, which, you know, <laughs> those toys with different coloured things in each corner and they light up and make a noise and you've got to re- repeat, repeat. I think that's the technology. The Paris oh. Factor actually loved it. Luckily, she was oh. very bad at it. <laughs> The UK version is now called Dominic Says, isn't it? <laughs> just mean. Britain news now, and uh, while well, the British lockdown is uh, entering another phase of dismantlement uh, this weekend, uh, we're going to be allowed to do more things than we were allowed to do uh, last week. Uh, but at a press conference uh, today, Boris Johnson. Uh, is going to warn, apparently, that we are not out of the woods just yet when it comes to this <laughs> virus. So says the man who threw the compass and map out into a ravine when we first went into the woods and said, <laughs> I can feel my way out of anywhere. I'm British. I'll drop some breadcrumbs on the way. We'll be fine. Um, he also said, let's not blow it now. Uh, this is the man who, in the early days of the crisis, effectively got down on his knees, opened his mouth and blew the coronavirus. Um, <laughs> family show sorry um, so, um it's uh, the, the government is relaxing its quarantine scheme or to give it its official name the massively belated logistically incoherent and devotedly incompetent quarantine scheme uh, to allow people to come and go from more uh, more countries but there's been um, uh, and there's announcements on um, restrictions on what can be done at weddings uh, hands must be washed before and after the exchanging of rings this this seems tokenistic. I'm a bit rusty when it comes to weddings. Mine was way back in 2004. But aren't the people involved about to, shall we politely say, do something slightly less obviously <laughs> hygienic than putting bits of metal on each other's fingers? Um, ceremonies uh, have also been uh, will also have to be kept quotes as short as reasonably possible and limited as much as possible to just the parts that are legally binding, which somewhat takes the romance out of weddings. We are gathered here today to get down to the legal nitty-gritty as expediently as possible at this financially blessed union of the legal entities that are Mark and Debbie. 
you may now hand the contract to the bride. Uh, no raised voices allowed at weddings, which um, that's a passive-aggressive start to your blissful lives together. Uh, no shouting. One of the great wedding traditions is someone shouting, <laughs> it should have been me, from the back. That's now out, um, which might be a good thing. And no food and drink will be consumed as part of the event. Uh, it just make you think, if Jesus were around today, and I'm not saying he's not, uh, but if he was, uh, he'd probably miracle it up by turning water into a 60% alcohol-based hand sanitizer. Um, it's uh, a tiff you excited about the uh, excited or terrified about the um, uh, the uh, the relaxation of our lockdown, the loosening up of the lockdown. I think we should. Well, I mean, Boris uh, is suggesting that uh, we socially distance like he does from a love child. So that's still happening. It's now one meter instead of two meters, but I do think a man's idea of uh length is questionable <laughs> at best i i know that they're like doing lockdowns in isolated areas so one of the things boris announced after his uh push-ups like imagine thinking your lack just on a side note that your lack of physical prowess will make us forget how many people have died um but uh he was saying we'll lock down locally and it looks like leicester might be doing that and then the BBC did a big report, but it, I couldn't help laughing at it because it said local cases in your area. So they were referring to like like lockdown, local cases in your area, and you can go on and check. But it just sounds like one of those sexy girl adverts that are on late night TV, <laughs> you know, where they say uh, there's there's sexy girls in your area, local cases in your area. Here's our under 30 selection. As you can see, mainly asymptomatic, but up for it. Uh <laughs> 40 plus cases in your area, underlying conditions, but still waiting to take your call. 50 plus, a heavily, heavily subscribed category and potentially lethal. Call now for all your horny COVID needs. Um, so, oh, you know. that's, there's another sentence you didn't want to hear. Oh, oh. <laughs> this lockdown's been too long. <laughs> horny, horny COVID needs. Like, how, how are they going to police this, though? Are there going to be... Like, is there going to be people at the city limits? And what are the city limits? Like, what's the city limits of Leicester apart from their limit of comedians they can take every February? <laughs> I think that's right up there with, with uh, Leicester's limits. But uh, how, how is this going to work in actuality? Oh, I don't know. I mean, the practical logistics are not something that, that really should be thought about in these things. <laughs> we're, we're British. You know, you've just got to feel it. What what about if you're in like the is it is Coventry next to Leicester? Am I thinking Ish. Leicester and Coventry? Are, like it's, what if you're it's in quite the quite close? Yeah, I mean, a, a Dar- Derby and Nottingham and Loughborough are the nearest. Talking to someone who studied in Leicester here. Right. Okay. So what if <laughs> well, you're in the, Biff- the Biffins Bridge, for want of a better <laughs> phrase, between Leicester and Nottingham? Does that like lovely what if you're little in the village? Go- what if you're in one of the Gooch towns? How does that They're work? Essence, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> how Little do you? Joke there. Uh, how do you? Um, yeah, he must be upset that that has become a euphemism for the bit between <laughs> the balls and the asshole. Um, like if you Gooch towns I, I, and their heavy viral load. <laughs> <laughs> Is anyone going to say family show? Is anyone going to say it? That's always the subtext, (laughs) Tiff. Yeah, so I just, I wonder how realistic it is. And and in the places where they are kind of like restricting lockdown, does that mean everyone is back into like isolating in their house or? 
because I've been out and I've seen people, there's about 10% of people wearing masks. People in shops aren't wearing masks. And so we're in this sort of stage now where I could, I could, people, it seems like everything's back to normal here, apart from the fact that I can't do my job and I can't hug my mum. So like, <laughs> I don't understand. Um, yes, very, uh, very strange. I've had plenty of audiences that say, uh, I can't do my job either. So it's not made a huge <laughs> difference to me. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, like opening shops and stuff, but we're still sort of not, we haven't lowered the rates of infection again. And I feel like even looking at James at this point, he'd, he'd be like, just do what we did, which was <laughs> deal with it properly. Oh, and also be three hours flight from the nearest country. I think that's, that's the other, I mean, you know, not to take yeah. away from, from the, from what we've done, but you know, it, it helped. Isolation is easier when you are isolated. Yes, if only Britain had a moat that was more <laughs> some sort of thing twenty-two yeah. miles wide at <laughs> the narrowest point. <laughs> Have you guys started counting the Welsh numbers yet with your with your English numbers, or is, are you guys still just going? Ah, it's just this amount. Uh, look, num- what is what are numbers? Numbers are just a perception, aren't they? Um, really, Andy Zaltzman? Yeah. Really, what are numbers? Andy Zaltzman <laughs> is saying that sentence. What yeah. are numbers? Well, ap- apart from when they're about sport, when they are, of course, <laughs> gospel truth. Um. I mean, who had? Who? What's a larger number? The runs of Jeffrey boycotts or the deaths of COVID in England? Andy Zaltzman, to you. Well, COVID is way, way, way ahead, and uh, also scored much more quickly um, than boycott as well. So, um, <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of this week's bugle. We are having a week off next week due to cricket being back, and if my uh, my impending. Um, brain probing uh, is successful i will be uh, be there and uh, we'll report back on uh, the following bugle about what life was like in a bio bubble watching uh, elite sport i'm expecting it to be one of the strangest experiences of mine or indeed anyone else's theirs uh, lives um uh, james uh, tell us about your other uh, podcasts and things that our listeners can find you on you can find me on my uh, podcast, Eating Fried Chicken in the Shower, which I'm looking forward to uh, finishing off the latest season now that we're up and running again. Um, or you can see me live by flying to New Zealand and uh, <laughs> quarantine <laughs> for two weeks. Uh, Tiff? Um, I would like to plug my YouTube channel because I'm trying to put some content up on there, uh, including uh, old rope shows. Old rope is on Instagram live 9pm every Monday. You will see various, I've got to get you on actually, James, you'll see various buglers on there as well as all the other people that kind of do the show regularly in London. So that's 9pm uh, on a Monday. Uh, the YouTube channel is Tiff Stevenson comic and I'm trying to get enough subscribers to monetize it. So, um, so get on to that. And also I'm doing a show uh, as part of the Next Up Comedy Festival, which is a Zoom festival on July the 18th. So you can buy tickets for that and watch from anywhere in the world, depending on what time 8pm GMT is to you. <laughs> so I don't know what time, what time is that in New Zealand, James? Uh, know, like that eight? will be uh, 7, 7 a.m. Uh, in yeah, New Zealand. I'm expecting people in New Zealand to get up for that. They will. It's beautiful. Make a morning coffee. Chuck on some Tiff Stevens. Have yourself a time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, thank you both for uh, joining us. Um, there will be a uh, sub episode out next week, and we'll be back the following week with uh, 
issue 4160. Until then, goodbye. And we will play you out with some lies about our premium level voluntary subscribers. To join the Bugle voluntary subscription scheme uh, or to give a one-off contribution to the show, go to thebuglepodcast.com and click the donate button. Simon Betson wishes piranhas would chill out. Whatever it is that has made them so angry, says Simon, they should talk about it like adults instead of trying to self-justificate their behaviour to themselves by saying, well, we're piranhas, it's just what we do. Michelle Davis managed to persuade a schoolteacher that, for summer homework, she had read a work of ancient Greek epic poetry called the Shithiad. Michelle was issued an official school reprimand when the teacher in question wrote the title of the poem out in very big letters on the blackboard. Michael Keynes developed a version of the hit computer game Minecraft in which all the objects were round instead of cubic blocks. It was quite fun for a while, explains Michael, until you started getting frustrated that everything you built rolled downhill. Maybe I should have put fewer hills into the game, concedes Michael. That might have helped. Owen Kendler has developed a new type of safety gun to try to help reduce casualty statistics around the world. When you pull the trigger on Owen's gun instead of a bullet flying out, a model bird pops out of the end of the barrel and makes a bird noise. Owen got an Austrian company involved, but sadly the money ran out and the cuckoo glock was never made. Dan Cope is much taken with the thinking behind this idea and suggests that, to help America maintain its Second Amendment right to bear arms and its Fourth and a Half Amendment right to willfully misinterpret amendments, all guns should be fitted with a 45-minute delay between pulling the trigger and the gun firing. That should give everyone a chance to either calm down and reassess, says Dan, or flee to a safe distance. And Jay Schrottenboer wonders whether if Mozart were alive today, he would write a concerto for helicopter, fire engine and orchestra. I think he'd probably have ended up doing some really weird stuff, says Jay. Bear in mind, Big Wolfgang would be over 250 years old now and probably bored shitless, so I reckon he might even do a sonata for four rubbish bins and a frying pan. Here, I've written a version of what I think it would be like. Do you want to hear it? No thanks, Jay, because we've run out of time. That's the end of this week's lies. Goodbye. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you 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 must be so excited. Listen now.